This is Minda Wilson with Urgent Care, and I'm pleased to welcome Roland Perez, uh, one of the el elder statesmen of uh, healthcare broadcasting. Roland, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. And I meant elder as experienced. Thank you. Yes, like they said, they they introduced me as the father of healthcare television because I was in healthcare media and healthcare television before it was cool. So how did you start? We we started actually. We were just a, uh, a, a type of fix-it PR firm, and we got a phone call from a hospital uh, who had a major. PR problem, not of any of their doing, but just an accident. And uh, they wanted to get their doctors back on and wanted to get the hospital back on and wanted to just get good PR because they'd had a taste of bad PR. And uh, so we did 13 weeks and we did a show when we came up with a show called American Health Journal. We got on, got their doctors on, made it interesting. Um, at the end of the 13 weeks, um, we were in the studio with all the executives of the hospital, and they said, no, we don't want to stop. We want to keep going. So wow. I said, wow, really? And there was nobody was doing this. So we, we continued, and all of those young folks that were sitting in those chairs that were you know, minor executives and junior executives at the hospital chain, as time went on, they became senior executives, and they my, their first phone call was to me. So we started doing one hospital after the other after the other all over the country until we have visited 110 hospitals. I've interviewed 7,800 physicians. Goodness. And uh, we have in the can of shows, we have 760 30-minute television shows in our content. So um, yeah, we're at least, if nothing else, we're the, uh, we have the largest amount of content uh, on health care. Right. The and I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes in health care. I have. And I haven't. It, it, the technology has changed considerably. Uh, Obamacare changed things, but not as much as people imagine. But they, um, technology, is, especially in diagnosis and things like that, that has been a, a that's that's had a big leap in, uh, in and an improvement for for uh, medical science. And and uh, and the life of a doctor has changed, you know, since you totally probably right. first. They're making less money, if that's what you mean. Yes, <laughs> the insurance companies have capped a lot of the expenses, so doctors are not making as much money as they were years ago. And um, medical schools are not seeing as many people uh, uh, in the profession. But the ones that are there now are there for the patient. They're not there for the career or the country club or the big car um, because there really isn't a lot of that anymore. Um, everybody makes a very good living, but they don't, they don't make these millions of dollars that doctors used to make years ago. 
And and as and as that's changed, and as uh, as we've seen the change in in uh, you know insurance with Obamacare and stuff like that, uh, there's also been an, an an increased interest and awareness about healthcare. People are more interested in learning about it. Yeah, the the changes came when um, there was so many different regulations about getting to a doctor and selling a doctor or anything or educating a doctor or anything. There was a lot of regulations came up because there were some people that were taking advantage of that. But what happened was that pharmaceutical companies were always had an entree into a doctor's office. They would walk in, they would see the doctor, and they would offer the doctor a free vacation or, um, you know, stock in the company or, you know, it was, there was a lot of incentives that pharmaceutical companies used to have, a lot of leeway. Well, those things were stopped state by state. They stopped that sort of thing. So all that was left was some pizza for the staff, no more cruises, so pizza for the staff. And of course, they weren't getting to the doctors as much, and so business went down. So pharm- the pharmaceutical companies did the biggest thing they ever did and still ever did. They went to the public. So now when you watch the news or CNN or any particular program, what do you see? Ads for pharmaceuticals. Interesting. And they went directly to the public. And they said, this is what this d- drug does. If you have these symptoms and you are suffering from this disease, ask your doctor. They're not saying go to the pharmacy and get it. They're saying ask your doctor. So they're creating uh, the need for their product through reaching the public and then going through to the doctor instead of the old way of going to the doctor and then having the doctor tell the patient what to do. So that changed healthcare a lot. And so everyone got interested. Gee, that's interesting that this particular drug does this or that. And people started looking into their own health care. And there was an influx in wellness and complementary medicine and alternative medicine. And that sort of spared on a lot of people wanting to know about uh, their own health. And so that's where we are today, where... Uh, we put out a uh, story on PBS because we're a PBS show and we're on streaming. We have three streaming channels. Yeah. Now what was this, what was that about? Because I mean, you've been on PBS for a very long time and now you're, you're offering the opportunity to see on what was the transition? What inspired it? More and more people, the, the cutting of the cord. Um, An article yesterday in the paper showed a 32% cut, cord cutting on cable TV, and where they're going is to streaming. Roku, Amazon, Peacock, Apple TV, that's where they're going. And there's now, that's a third. That's getting, getting very close to a third of the entire market. So streaming came, and um, we started our first streaming channel called the American Health Journal. We now have over 500 videos, healthcare videos, on the channel. Plus, we have a a 24-hour-a-day streaming live uh, 
series of shows that are running constantly on the channel. And that runs on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. And it's been very well received because in Amazon Fire, we're number one uh, in the country for uh, healthcare. That's amazing. You know, it's exciting that people are interested in, in learning about healthcare. So, what are your most popular shows? What are people most interested in? Um, it's, it's, you know, it's strange. People say, well, oh, it must be heart or cancer, or, and it's actually not. Um, the most calls, the phone rings here on Monday, and there's a lot of phone calls here waiting for us on Monday, and they're about your eyes. Your feet, <laughs> your skin, things that affect people immediately, and they're looking for answers. And eye care is probably number one. Wow. Because without, yeah, and hearing is very big. Your skin cancer is bigger than any other cancer that we answer questions about. And amazingly, you run a, you run something on feet, bunions, and the phone will ring off the hook. And wow. so people are looking for answers and new innovations in, uh, in medicine. We have a show called Innovations in Medicine, and we put a lot of new things on there. Uh, we just won um, seven in national and international awards for a show called uh, Marijuana. Uh, medical marijuana, and people are fascinated by that. And the award people are fascinated by it. They give us awards for it. So there's other interests other than just heart disease or cancer or brain cancer, or, you know, that sort of thing. So those are the top, those are always the hot topics. Huh. And it's, it seems like you're, you're, you've got multi, a multiplicity of channels. It's not just yep. the American Health Journal anymore. Well, it's, it's because mm -hmm. of the interest. It's because of people's interest. The American Health Journal is more Western medicine. Mm -hmm. It's your straight Western medicine. There's 500. Then we have another channel called Better Health. Mm -hmm. And that has about 200 videos so far plus live streaming of 30-minute television shows. But that's more of the alternative medicine and complementary care, wellness, and a little away from Western medicine. So mm -hmm. you see things on there like hypnosis for stopping smoking, um, a lot of stuff on cannabis, uh, wellness in your brain, you know, just getting a better attitude, anti-suicide videos on teen suicide, things like that. It, a little away from the Western medicine that we offer on American Health Journal. Mm. And we have a third one premiering in September 15 is a show called Health for All. And uh, Health for All is going to focus uh, on health and the wellness of people of color with the with their special concerns in the areas of like for instance um, diabetes and heart disease and lifestyle and diets and that's delivered by doctors medical professionals who are diverse and are people of color 
So we're looking, we don't know how that's going to go, but we certainly uh, are very optimistic that we will build an audience there. We're starting off with over 120 videos, and we'll see how it goes. It premieres on September uh, the 15th, and it's called Health for All. And people can sign, like, you know, for people who are not really familiar with streaming, they can sign into the channel and they can either watch a show live or they can pick some of the videos that you've recorded. That's correct. And you can find us on, if you get any one of the platforms like Roku or uh, Amazon Fire or Apple TV, we're on there. Uh, we're not on Apple TV and one of our streaming channels, we are, aren't there on, aren't, not on there yet. But we are on Roku on all of our channels are on Roku, which is the largest platform. And and do they uh, do they have commercials or is it how do, how does it how does this kind of platform work? Like PBS well, doesn't I, have commercials, right? That they don't, and we had to monetize some of our content. It's been you know our we have great underwriters that help us promote the show, but we we. We wanted to really monetize our, our, our stuff, you know, all of, all of our content. So what we do is we offer a hospital, for instance, or uh, anyone who is interested in coming on the channel. They come on the channel, and we buy a chunk of impressions, Google impressions, uh, over 25000 a month. Mm-hmm. And they, we put up a billboard ad on our channel. And those people come to the billboard ad, they see it, and they're interested in uh, birthing centers or, you know, we have a birthing center on there from Pomona Valley uh, Hospital that does very well, very, very well each month. And they, they hit on it, watch live, and they go directly to that. And that's, that's another way of uh, getting our content out to the public. And it's very reasonable. It's a flat cost each month. And it's very reasonable for someone to come on, get 25,000 impressions of their video. And and we we can do it in any market, for instance. Like you know, at PBS, it's difficult because we're everywhere. So we're, we're in Reno, we're in Denver, we're in Dallas. But here we can concentrate the advertising dollar to whatever market that person wants. So for instance, if you're on Roku, in New Orleans, and you have a New Orleans hospital, we can direct everyone that's on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV to your ad directly right into that market. Oh, that's interesting. So so it's a way for people who are in the medical businesses to uh, publicize what they're doing at public relations and also... Um, to inform a larger public about their availability. Is that very yes, and very directly and very inexpensively. So it's a it's a really great way to. I'm sure it's a bargain relative to some of the other ads that maybe aren't as targeted or don't have um, don't have the reach that you do. Right. So it's it, it's been working very well. We've been on for over a year with American Health Journal, and uh, it's very successful. It's, it's very successful. Everybody that uh, signs up for six months resigns again, and uh, we've been getting great numbers, and people have been very happy. 
Right. And, and, then, and we're happy because we're making money, you know, from what we're doing. And that's that's important here to continue uh, going out and interviewing doctors and hunting up stories on new and innovative things that are happening in medicine. That, no matter how wonderful that is, it, it, it takes money to do that. And this is another profit center that we can do and direct it to uh, gathering that kind of information. Well, when you know when you start when you started this, is this is this is this sort of? Did you ever envision that it would end up the kind on this I, kind of platform? Not in a million years. Not in a million years. It it, it was it was it was it began as an accident. You know, it just became a just it just became an accident. We did a good job, I believe of. Getting the inf- gathering the information, making it simple for the public to understand, and don't I don't allow doctors to use any medical terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as they go into a medical term, I tell I, I basically just say, "What does that mean?" And I give them a speech before they start the interview that they don't lose anybody in this interview. Talk to me like you would talk to a patient. And I think that's a success of the show. So, what are some of the most? What are some of the fun things people can learn on your programming? Like when you talk to doctors, what are some of the interesting things about feet? Yeah, there's some really interesting ones. That a lot of a lot of the new things, for instance, are are come from, for instance, from the cannabis area because mm-hmm. that's changing every day. Mm-hmm. But the uses for the stuff is just unbelievable. There was, uh, I was interviewing uh, a doctor, a Chinese doctor from, he flew up from San Diego and uh, we were interviewing him and he had a salve and um, it was some magic potion that had cannabis in it. Well, I took it all in mine and I, he gave me a sample like everyone does and I took it home and my wife has a rash on the inside of her wrist, and she's been putting all this Western medicine on it, and it takes it away, but then it always comes back. And so I gave it to her, and after a couple of uh, good, strong arguments of why she should do it, she did it. It's gone. The rash went away, and it's never come back. Oh, Wow. But there's, that's just what, you know, there's just the unknown. We just don't know where that is really going. And I interviewed a hypnotist who helps people with their food intake, and they're smoking, and that works. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole vaping thing came on innocently, and I watched that change little by little until it became something dangerous. So we, we did very positive stories in the beginning, and then at the end of the cycle, the news cycle, then we started to not do, in fact, we wouldn't do any at all on vaping. But doctors were actually prescribing it to a way of quitting the smoke. This is an innocent way of quitting smoking. So, yeah, there, there's been a lot, of, uh, a lot of interesting and then a lot of great inventions um, We've done the Salk Institute where they were working on and still are working on growing limbs. Wow. Yeah, fascinating. 
and you walk into an aquarium with a million fish that they're working on and their scientists are working on. But, um, yeah, I, I went all in, in my marijuana special that we did. We went to um, Princeton University to see a doctor doing experiments um, experimental drugs on a person who has Parkinson's, very severe Parkinson's. And I saw pictures of her. She was sitting in a wheelchair, uncontrollably sitting in a wheelchair, blowing out a candle on a birthday cake. So when she was the guest, and we flew to Princeton <clears throat> in the New Haven, and she, her mother brought her to there, I made a lot of room in the room for her wheelchair. So the door opened. This woman comes in and says, hi, I'm Mary. Where do I sit? And I went, who are you? And he goes, I'm Mary. I go, Mary should be in a wheelchair shaking. Well, she goes, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> well, good and she sat down and she says, I'm learning how to drive and I have a job. She was 30 years old. She had none of those things. And I have the interview, and I can tell you that she doesn't even stutter. Amazing. And it was all done. It was all done with cannabis. So that has been, you know, one of the, one of the big things. And, of course, diagnosis. You know, there's so many wonderful machines coming out that – get deeper and you can see the cancer. You can even see the cancer forming before it really becomes an issue. And that's technology more than doctors. Those those are things given to doctors to use, but that's coming from people like Stryker and, and, and Astro and they're they're the ones working on uh, on great medical devices. And that's changing healthcare for sure. Oh, it is. It is absolutely changing the face of healthcare because it's changing what doctors are thinking. Because what doctors think and what doctors believe and what doctors learn is what is how we get our medical. We can't check into a hospital. People always say to me, "Well, you have this hospital in Nebraska, and uh, how many patients are around that hospital in Nebraska?" And I say, "It doesn't matter how many patients there are in Nebraska. That hospital only has 125 possible profit centers. They only have 125 customers because 125 customers are their doctors, and those people." pick up the phone and send the patient to the hospital. You can't walk into a hospital, sit down in the admitting desk and say, I think I have cancer. Can I get admitted? So you're not a, you're not a customer to the, ho to the hospital. You're just a patient of the doctors. So that's where all of medical science and medical technology filters through is the, is the physician. So it's important that physicians be aware of what's going on as well. So, you know, they, not everybody has access take, to that. They take a lot of time out of their day to uh, to prop up their, their education every day. Um, that's why they call it a medical practice. <laughs> they're practicing every day. And they're, they're making sure that they have the latest news and the you know the the ones that have to learn the most are the 
general practitioner because every that door opens and God knows what you have in front of you. You don't know. You're, it could be anything from cancer to a cold. And the nephrologist or the kidney specialist or the orthopedic guy, he knows what he's dealing with. He's been already sent a bad back or a poor kidney. So he, he can his, his knowledge is very narrowed. He knows all about the kidney or all about the back. So he's got those, those two physicians are in good shape. It's the, it's, it's the family medicine. The general practitioner is the one who has to hone up every single day on new treatments, new diagnosis, new ways of treating people. But, you know, the Internet has changed people's lives, too, because they're now looking for, they have the ability now to research when the, what's wrong with them. They can look that's up their good. symptoms and yeah, that's see good what's and bad. <laughs> that's good and bad. Um, you're all, people are self-diagnosing themselves, and you know if you if you have a sore toe, and you type in sore toe, it'll give you five or six different options of why you have a sore toe. Um, that's an easy one. But when someone says, "I'm sweating at night and I don't feel good," and I, and they give you some diagnosis, uh, you know, you pump in some symptoms, they pump out, but you're in six months, you all of a sudden are getting worse. You should have seen the doctor. You were self-diagnosing yourself and you've got to be careful. Those things that you see on websites where it says symptoms and you go in there, that's uh, that's a hit and miss type situation and very, very dangerous. So my question for you is, um, what when somebody uh, when somebody gets in that situation and they're self-diagnosing, couldn't they access your programming to learn more about some of the topics that they've looked at? Yes, they can. And at the end of it all, I would say, I hope you're completely informed, and I hope you understand where some of these symptoms are coming from. Now, pick up the phone and call your doctor. So, so it gives it gives an uh, you know this is an opportunity to do research as well as uh, you know as well as learn about healthcare on a daily basis. Did you say research? Yeah, because people who are thinking about you know they're they've been let's say they've been told they have something. If you have a program on it, it gives them you know, a little bit more information than they might have gotten from the doctor in an accessible that, way. That is where it's really, really good. That's that's a great way of using the Internet. You go in and the doctor says you have, you have a, a colon polyp, which was picked up in the test. You can go home and get on your computer and find out more about colon polyps than you ever need to know. But you find out what that it's okay, that it's something that's treatable, what you have to do. It'll even tell you what to eat so you don't get another polyp. So the doctor probably didn't go into the nutrition of it with you, but, you're, but the Internet would. So on, that's where the Internet really works very well. Is after you've had a diagnosis and you want to know, and it, it, it sometimes it really helps a family member because they come home and they found out that there's something wrong with one of their eyes, their husband's eye, and she goes and she sits down and starts going through uh, 
trying to find and describe the problem that her husband has and finds out that, that it's treatable and that these people have been cured of it. And it, it takes a lot of anxiety away from people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gives you access to something that gives you a level of comfort. So, so if some, so what do you see in the next five years? What do you see the big innovations being in medicine? Marijuana is one you mentioned. Oh, yeah. What else that's, do you that's, see? That's, that's happening every single day. I think you're going to see more in diagnosis. I think you're going to see more cancer diagnosis uh, early on, cancer diagnosis. Uh, you're going to start, I think, in five years, and I predict that in five years, cancer, is, they're going to have a handle on cancer. Uh, there are several large universities and, and organizations that are working on a, uh, a great cure for cancer. Um, a vaccine, I'm, I'm not sure of, but uh, at least new treatments for cancer, uh, even at late stages, are going to be around in five years. And diagnostic tools are going to be around. Um, I think we're going to have smaller hospitals. I think we're going to have more community hospitals rather than these big 600, 700-bed plants that are around. I don't see anybody building any more of those. Um, and I think, I think that healthcare is going to be a lot more accessible through, you know, as they call them, dock-in-the-box, you know, little urgent care places. And there is uh, a firm and I'm wondering, I'm searching for the name, but they are starting small little mini hospitals that act as an emergency room. They're in Texas. They're, they're in five or six. They're even in um, Lake Charles, and they're in Houston. And what do you do is you go into it. It's basically a fully armed uh, emergency room, and it has maybe 10 or 15 beds. So if something were to where they needed you overnight, they could do that before they either let you on to your other hospital or they sent you home. Um, so I think there's going to be more and more of that. I think there's going to be a lot more of that. Do you think what's going to happen with COVID? How do you think that's going to play out? You know, I, I, I've been in the middle of this with all the things that we do. And I think that Fauci, Dr. Fauci said something at a news conference um, like the first or second news conference, and some reporter said to him, when is this going to be over? Mm -hmm. You know what he said? He said, when we have a vaccine. And I think he was right. Uh, the mask is a wonderful thing. It, it, it cuts it down. Um, we're seeing some new numbers that we haven't seen before uh, that, that are coming out that uh, show that it's not as severe as we thought it was and who it was attacking. Um, mm -hmm. But those numbers are going to be out in the next two weeks. I think they're going to be very surprising to people. Um, this is not as deadly to a healthy person as, as, as it seems to be. But the vaccine, I'm thinking we're going to start seeing in November, December, and then we're going to see more and more of it. I've, I've already had stories pitched to me about people who are forming companies to distribute, already forming big companies to distribute the vaccine mm. to uh, as many people and as quickly as anyone as they can. But once we have that, then you're going to see that 
through uh, 2021, you'll start seeing the coronavirus uh, slowing down considerably. Once we get to the older folks and we get into convalescent hospitals and things like that, and we start in getting people immune to all that, we're going to be we're going to be in a much better shape. Right now, we have to stay with the mask and we have to do the best we can. Do you think there's going to be another wave with a different virus, or do you think we will have learned from this experience so that if it happens again? I can tell you one thing for sure is the most valuable lesson that we have learned is we remember when we're watching TV and we're watching something in Japan and everybody comes out of the uh, up the escalator and they're all wearing masks and we Mm -hmm. always thought how silly that was. (laughs) That's not silly anymore. I think the minute that someone announces that there's a new virus coming, everyone, including me, is going to the mask. And I think that's one of the ways we're going to do it. But is there going to be a new stream, a new virus? Of course there is. Uh, But I think we're going to control it a lot better. We don't want to sit at home again for six or seven or eight weeks again ever. I know I don't. And uh, if it means wearing a mask, Right away, I have no problem with it. I've been reading where because of um, because a lot of people have lost their jobs that um, so co- corporations are not paying insurance premiums as much as they used to that um, that insurance costs are going to go up next year uh, up to about thirty percent over over this year. Do you think that is going to that do you think that's going to impact care, or do you think we're gonna? How do you think that's going to change things? I don't. I, I don't know. I I know that if someone is ill and they need a doctor, this country is very good at seeing them. Uh, they're not going to sit on the lawn outside of the doctor's office or the uh, or the hospital and die there in the grass. That's just not going to happen. They're going to see a doctor somewhere somehow. Public. Medicine takes care of everyone, and uh, mm-hmm. it's that part of it's not going to change now. Whether or not insurance is going to go up, um, I don't know. I, I really, really don't know. I'd like to see what the numbers have been in the last six months for new uh, diseases, new heart disease, new cancers that have been discovered uh, by doctors, because doctors have not been been able to really see patients very much and patients are reluctant to go to the doctor because they think there's a waiting room full of people who have coronavirus so they don't go and so that has slowed down dramatically what are those numbers that that i think we're waiting for i think that's where you're you're waiting for those numbers to come up and see how if there has been a real increase in in things or the things that a lot of people do, they go to the doctor and it's nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And right. So, so a, a, there's there's been a lot less visits to the doctor, which means for insurance companies a lot less price. That's true. They not paying. They're not paying the doctors as much because right. there aren't as many visits. So That's true. That might offset any kind of increase that there there would be. Um, right, but it also hopefully. means kicking down the road what could have been a serious problem, which means the cost goes up for taking care of it. Yeah, I, I you know, costs are going to go up. It's just, it's, it's, they're not, 
let me put it this way, they're not going to go down. <laughs> so Interesting. They're so, not going to go down. So the prices, it just, it, it, all it means is to us is the, the, the increase in, uh, in health care. Is it going to be 2% over two years? Is it going to be 7% over two years? What is going to be that, uh, what's going to be that increase? And then the, the companies that want the business, that are looking for the business, are going to try. If this, is, this is America. They're, people are competitive. They're going to try to hold the price down. Uh, those companies that start bringing the prices up are going to start losing business. And definitely, they're going to lose their corporate business. Yeah, interesting. So, so, you, see, uh, so you see insurance not in- increasing because we're sort of reaching a tipping point on think, affordability. I, I, I think it's going to increase, but I don't think it's going to be, any, I don't think it's going to be anything dramatic. So, so do you see? So, do you see with the? Do you see any significant changes in healthcare delivery other than the smaller hospitals? Do you see a shift back to having people having access to a local physician that really knows them, or do you see people sort of? Yeah, catch- that's not ever. I don't, that's not ever going to change because the patient demands it. The patient does especially older patients and those are the people that see the doctor the most mm-hmm. do not want to sit in their den in front of a screen talking to their doctor through a screen that's right just, that's true first of all it's the technology they don't like and the second is they don't they don't have they can't look into their doctor's eyes and, and, and the, yeah so and, they and- yeah, so they're, they're, that I don't think that – I think you're going to have telemedicine. I think you're going to have it for, like, younger people. I think where it's really going to blow up, really get big, is in pediatrics. That mom that has that kid that has that fever upstairs, she gets on the computer in the den and starts talking about the problems that little Timmy is having or something. Those are the things that, you know, can be done with a prescription over the – phone or over the over zoom i i think that's where it's going to grow but someone who's having a hard time breathing if they're going up the steps no that's they're not going to do that on a screen and, and the other thing is that you know you can't the doc there's no contact so the doctor can't really the resolution hasn't gotten to the point where the doctor could really see the skin to see how dry it is or touch them or you know the the, the the visual cues that they normally look for in an appointment that also makes a difference. It, I think it, if, yes, if, it really does, and and you have to understand. I've, I, I'm I live in a doctor's world. I speak I speak to doctors every day, and they're all you know. I have to tell you, they're a little reluctant to do this all the time. Um, you know, a doctor makes miscalculates someone, uh, someone's problem, and. May they make a small mistake mm-hmm. in their diagnosis and end up having to give you five more milligrams or six milligrams. There's always adjustments and things, but now you're putting that over the internet. Everyone's so worried about privacy, but yet you're getting on a you're getting on on a screen and you're talking about your most intimate medical concerns, right? And you're sending them on the airways. Right. And the doctor's recording this. He's taking guesses, 
Right. And six months later, some lawyer calls him on the phone and says, you told her she had this? And he says, yeah, but I never got to see her. And right. so now they, they're a little nervous about doing that. They're a little nervous about giving a straight diagnosis without more testing. And, you know, that, that there is one thing where, you know, you're looking for an increase. That's where the increase is going to come from is all these tests that are being done because doctors are so concerned that they're going to make a mistake on the screen. Right, right, right. And the cost of sending it to people and sending it back, that also increases the price. Exactly. And and most of the time, you know, you can't you you can't draw blood yourself. So you're you're gonna end up going to a lab. If there's no other way. So yeah. there's you know, if, if somebody if a doctor needs, you know, a full lab layout and it where you know, when you go into there and they take five vials of blood, mm-hmm. uh that's a full scan. And you're not going to do that at home. You have, right. you, know, they, you can do the colonoscopy thing at home, you know, mm-hmm. with uh, with that. But you're not going to get, you're not going to draw five draws of blood. That's so true. You end up having and, and blood tests are the biggest thing there is. So you're going to end up at, in a lab somewhere. So interesting. So interesting. So so I think that I think that there's the pendulum is going to swing like the. I think you're right. The pendulum's going to swing sort of back to where people will feel more comfortable going back to the doctor's office as co- as the fear of COVID recedes. The fear of COVID recedes. It's the the real numbers come out. You know, the real numbers come out. Who really gets this? Who really dies? How quickly does it do? And how who really had the virus and who didn't? You know, I mean, when the numbers really come out, there's no way that the numbers are here today because you have to go through medical examiners and doctors and insurance papers. And by the time someone really starts doing this, and they will do it because insurance companies want to know what their risk is. So they're going to get the real numbers and we will get those numbers. And when those numbers uh, when those numbers come out, then the mask goes away. Uh, we start walking. We start going to a restaurant. We start going to the movies again, and we start visiting the doctor again. So, and and then and then things sort of do they go back to normal, or is there a new normal? There's a little new normal, but I think the new normal is going to be what happens if we. If this happens again, this thing pops up again and we there's the new bird virus or the new dog virus or whatever they want to call it. Mm-hmm. And it pops up and then everyone goes to the mask and people start going, slowing down, going to the restaurant. And people don't go to big crowds. You know, um, if there's also another breakout in maybe a year or two years, uh, people will go to the mask and people probably... Uh, Big operations like Coachella, you know, big music concerts and that sort of thing will probably cancel or postpone. But uh, I think that's going to be the new normal of how we treat this when it rears its ugly head again. And do you think people that, like, you know, you were talking about a change in how people consume media, that they're uh, disconnecting. And they're they're getting media on on these channels like Roku and things like that. Do you see that? 
it's cost. It's it's cost. It's not. They're not going to it to get far superior entertainment, or you know, a lot of the stuff on on streaming is is not live. But I mean, Netflix owns a lot of the stuff now. I mean, they they're they're a tough competitor. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and it, it just. I mean, when you go to favorite channels, there was an article yesterday in yesterday's um, uh, NAB, um, National Association, um, multi-channel newspaper, that was was saying that uh, um, of the ten top channels, favorite, not top ten, the favorite channels, networks that people watch, CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, CNN are not on the list. Really? No. It's the Animal Planet and Discovery and the History Channel. And the only one on there was PBS. PBS was on there. And those are the favorite, those are the favorite channels uh, that people like to, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm like everyone else. I've, I've discovered a show that I watch called Zoo, and it's about it's about you know the attendants at a zoo taking care of zoo animals. And wow, it's fascinating. You watch you know you're watching a rhino get a shot. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just interesting. It's just interesting. It's it's not your regular you know yeah. thing that you get on TV. So and there's so many. I mean, when I was a kid. And that was a very, very long time ago. There were fifteen or sixteen channels on in L.A. Mm. Uh, a friend of mine in Beverly Hills has five hundred and forty-four channels. Jeez, that's a how lot. are you going to watch or ever see five hundred channels? I mean, how do you get? You know, when I was around as a kid. ABC or CBS or NBC, if they got a third of the audience or 25% of the audience, that was huge. You take 500 channels and divide that by the viewers. Nobody gets 1% or 2%. Mm. Very few get any at all. So, and, and do you think there's going to be less channels? No, there's going to be more. In fact, some friend of mine who is in, uh, in, with Comcast in Philadelphia, says that in two years there'll be 800 channels. So, so somebody needs to use like your model. Otherwise, they won't. The channels won't be able to survive. They won't be able to afford content. That's it. You, it's going to the cord cutting. The cord cutting is is purely economical. It's it, cord cutting is purely. I mean. Especially when this happened, you know, the demand for watching TV was higher because you were stuck at home, right? Mm-hmm. But you didn't have a job. So where were you doing that? Where could you do this cheaply? You go to Roku. You'd go to the store. You buy a machine that costs between 30 and and $100, depending on uh, the level that you want. But you mm-hmm. can get Roku for 50 bucks. And you go home, you plug it into your TV, and there's more stuff to watch on Roku than you can possibly ever imagine. Right. But and then how does content get paid for? Right? I mean, how does that work then? 
because that's Roku, new. Roku makes its Roku makes its money off of advertising of people who do want to advertise on channel. Mm-hmm. They uh, they they sell impressions. They sell machines, and then they sell programming. People come on that want their show to be on Roku, and they pay to do that. So mm-hmm. Roku makes an enormous amount of money, but they don't make it on subscribing every month, which is what people are trying to get away from because they can't afford it. Right. I mean, cable TV is expensive. I mean, I remember when first cable came out, it was $20. My cable, I still have cable because I monitor just about everything I possibly can. And my cable bill is $150 a month. Wow. That's a big difference. It it is a big difference. And And now they're trying to hold the cost down. You know, Comcast and those people are trying, Time Warner and and Vitacom and all these people that are around, Spectrum. They're trying to hold the prices down because every time they have a major increase or a, or a bump, you have no idea. They lose so many subscribers. It's unbelievable. And the first thing you try to do when you're, when you're, try, when you're trying to cut your, cut your expenses, that's one place you can do it if there's an alternative. And Roku and Apple TV and Amazon Fire, those are all alternatives. You can just take take one to, for the other so right right and people don't people yeah. aren't wedded to walter cronkite they don't have to watch that no CBS those days evening yeah. news yeah those days are gone and and celebrities aren't the same either because yeah. with a few exceptions you know there are so many and they're you know and they come and go you know they i i am a hollywood brat i was raised in in Hollywood, California. Uh-huh. And I I went to Hollywood High School and wow. I have all yeah, and all my friends were grew up to be movie stars, you know, a lot of them. Uh-huh. And I grew up in the business. My father was in the business, the movie business. So we grew up in that atmosphere and uh, actors used to be very important. They they'd smoke a cigarette uh, in a magazine and the 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 cigarette sales would go up. Well, that just doesn't work like it used to anymore and they and actors move a lot quicker there's an old saying in hollywood you know there's three stages of an actor you know they said get gregory peck the second one is get me a gregory peck look-alike and the third phase is who is gregory peck (laughs) so it just it moves very quickly so before you know it they're here and they're gone so no, celebrities are not as important. So interesting. We've sort of devalued them as we sort of had this influencer movement yeah, taken away. Sort of, they've gotten very political. They have gotten very, very political. And when Brad Pitt or someone comes out and says that uh, he's against, you know, some kind of environmental thing, and some company that's well, half the folks are thinking he's a wonderful guy, and the other half of the folks think he's terrible and never want to go to another movie he does. So right. it, you're better off just keeping your mouth shut. Right, right, right. Politically, and, politically. Right, 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 right. Controversy doesn't 
I think I think what's wonderful is when these people come out and say, you know, I've suffered from breast cancer or I have prostate cancer or I have had this problem or that problem and there's hope see your doctor those that's wonderful here's the celebrity awareness that brings people to the doctor and that's great mm-hmm. all right well people want to reach out to all these amazing oh so one last question and then i'll what's next so you have these three uh you have these three channels you're launching you uh you've you you certainly are a visionary so you're looking to the future what do you see is next for you I would like to begin to do documentaries. I did two two recent documentaries, uh, medical documentaries, and I would like to expand the growth of our three channels. Um, and right now, we're going to keep it to three channels. The growth of that is that's going to be a full time job for us over the next year or so, and then we continue with our our PBS show, our national PBS show. But I think what I'd like to do is to be able to take a hospital in Missouri and to do a documentary on a hospital in Missouri or a very, or a country doctor in Montana and bring some interesting medical stories um, to the public. We definitely have an outlet for it. We have distribution for it. It's just a matter of finding people who are interesting, that have a story to tell, and that after the lights come up and the show's over, uh, people learn something about medicine. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Well, if people want to watch your shows or reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, uh, you go to if you go to Roku or any of the other channels, you just type in American Health Journal. And that'll give you a good start. And you'll be right there. Um, and you'll see a lot of things you haven't seen before in medicine. Uh, same thing with uh, better health. Uh, but mostly uh, American Health Journal on Roku or Amazon or Apple TV, that'll get you going. Uh, look in your local uh, TV guide, uh, on screen or off screen, uh, and see if our show is in your market on PBS. We're in a lot of different markets and we have a brand new uh, 13-week series that we just uh, sent on the NIDA satellite uh, that will hit every market in the United States. So just look at, as they say, time and channel. Uh, Let's see where we are. And of course, there's our website, which is ahj at the doctorshow.com. And that has, that's, that's huge. That that sort of just gives you everything. There's there's television shows and there's hundreds of TV shows there. There's there's uh, segments, uh, health segments, tips, all kinds of stuff there. And then actually there's an area there where you can see all of our content. If you go there, there's a PDF of all of our content uh, and all of our doctors and and things. And so. If nothing else, the the website gets you going. Well, it, Roland Perez, it's been a pleasure. You've built the Windsor Broadcasting Productions into something really remarkable. And American Health Journal is just a fabulous, fabulous show. So, um, and I I appreciate everything you've done to inform us about healthcare. Thank you. Okay. 
and thank you for being there to get people on like me and, and get it out to the public. Without you, there wouldn't be anybody. This is Mindy Wilson for Urgent Care.